Good morning, everyone, and greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'm not able to recognize everyone, but for those I've seen previously, it's good to be with you. And for those who are here for the first time, you've already heard my name. It's a pleasure and a joy to share fellowship with you. I believe that you're doing a series on talent, on, on um, stewardship. And it's my mandate today to share with you the aspect of being stewards of the talents which God has given us. Very simply, the mandate goes like this. How do we, has, how do we steward our talents for God? In other words, how can we use our talents to glorify God and to bring others closer to Him? So I want to begin this morning by... Briefly looking at the, I'm, I'm just getting a bit short on memory here now, but did we do the scripture readings? No, we did not. Okay, let me have my Bible, I'll read them. The first scripture reading comes to us from the book of Exodus, and it comes to us from Exodus chapter 3, and I'm going to read from verse 1 to 12, Exodus 3, and verse 1 to 12. One day while Moses was taking care of the sheep and goats of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, he led the flock across the desert and came to Sinai, the holy mountain. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him as a flame coming from the middle of a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it was not burning up. This is strange, he thought. Why isn't the bush burning up? I will go closer and see. When the Lord saw that Moses was coming closer, he called him from the middle of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. He answered, Yes, here I am. God said, Do not come any closer. Take off your sandals because you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Moses covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have seen how cruelly my people are treated in Egypt. I have heard them cry out to be rescued from their slave drivers. I know all about their sufferings. And so I have come down to rescue them from the Egyptians and to bring them out of Egypt to a space to a spacious land, one which is rich and fertile, in which the Canaanites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Perizzites now live. I have indeed heard the cry of my people, and I see how the Egyptians are oppressing them. Now I am sending you to the king of Egypt, so that you can lead my people out of his country. But Moses said to God, I am nobody. How can I go to the king and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you. And when you bring the people out of Egypt, you will worship me on this mountain. That will be the proof that I have sent you. And our gospel reading comes to us from the book of Luke. And our reading comes to us from Luke chapter 19. The version on top of the screen might be a bit different. I'm reading from the Good News Bible. Luke chapter 19, and I read from verse 11 to verse 27. While the people were listening to this, Jesus continued and told them a parable. He was now almost at Jerusalem, 
and they supposed that the kingdom of God was just about to appear. So he said, There was once a man of high rank who was going to a country far away to be made king, after which he planned to come back home. Before he left, he called his ten servants and gave them each a gold coin and told them, See what you can earn with this while I am gone. Now his own people hated him and said, and so they sent messengers after him to say, We don't want this man to be our king. The man was made king and came back. At once he ordered his servants to appear before him in order to find out how much they had earned. The first one came and said, Sir, I have earned ten gold coins with the one you gave me. Well done, he said. You are a good servant. Since you are faithful in small matters, I will put you in charge of ten cities. The second servant came and said, Sir, I've earned five gold coins with the one you gave me. To this one he said, You will be in charge of five cities. Another servant came and said, Sir, here is your gold coin. I kept it hidden in an handkerchief. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take what is not yours and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, You bad servant, I will use your own words to condemn you. You know that I am a hard man, taking what is not mine and reaping what I have not sown. Well then, why didn't you put my money in the bank? And I would have received it back with interest when I returned. Then he said to those who were standing there, Take the gold coin away from him and give it to the servant who has ten coins. But they said to him, Sir, he already has ten coins. I tell you, he replied, that to all those who have something, even more will be given. But those who have nothing, even the little that they have, will be taken away from them. Now as for those enemies of mine who do not want me to be their king, bring them here and kill them in my presence. This is the word of God, and thanks be to God. So as we begin this part today of looking at how we can use our talents to glorify God and bring others closer to him, I want us to briefly look at the two characters that we've just read from our scriptures. Moses and the unfaithful steward, and some of the common aspects that are present in those two stories. Firstly, both stories involve pe people or persons of ordinary ranks. Now, sure enough, Moses was born of a Hebrew slave, a slave mother, and he had a stint in the royal palace of Pharaoh. But it all fell apart, and years later, when we meet Moses in this chapter, he is now married to Zipporah, the daughter of Jethro, the priest of Midian. And Moses has the job of taking care of his father-in-law's sheep and goats. From the little information we have in our Luke reading, we can presume that the servant is also an ordinary person with no particular ranking except that of a servant. The second common aspect we can find is, maybe we can ask ourselves the question, could one say that on account of their ordinary ranking as such, those two persons might have come to have a lesser belief in themselves or of their abilities to make a difference. It would seem so. Listen to Moses. When God commissions Moses to go and rescue the Hebrews from Pharaoh, Moses says, I am nobody. How can I go to the king and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? The servant probably thought something along these lines. I'm not a financial whiz like these other guys. Most likely I will lose this coin if I try investing it. I'll play it safe. I'll hang on to it, wrap it in my handkerchief, 
And when my master returns, I will safely return it to him. And then the third common aspect. Both Moses and the servant find themselves called to a task which they felt was beyond their capacity. Or maybe a task which they felt was beyond their ranking. Now an interesting point of note, if you were to read this parable in Matthew, and Matthew does record the similar parable, in Matthew's account, he, each servant receives coins according to their ability. The one servant receives five talents, the second servant receives two, and the last receives one. Luke takes a different approach. Each servant receives an equal amount. Now personally, I'm more inclined to the Luke version, and that's not a criticism of Matthew in any way. I'm sure that he wrote it in the context of a message that he was trying to bring across. But in Luke's version, each servant receives an equal amount. In our society, we have the tendency to designate people into various categories. Extraordinarily talented, lesser talented, well-educated, lesser educated, well-spoken, lesser spoken, very beautiful. I'll stop there. <laughs> but you see, we do so according to an arrived set of ratings. However, we might have arrived at those ratings. Now, while this kind of designation might serve, it have its purpose in some instances, generally it has the adverse effect of causing people to self-evaluate. We all do that. And the result being that some might go about with an inflated ego, look at how good I am. But others go about feeling demoted about themselves. Get a couple of kids together, go to an average school, government school especially, and you will see those dynamics playing out. In fact, those, dyna those dynamics, excuse me, those dynamics play out in many or in every spheres of society. Sad enough, maybe even in the church as well. Now, further interesting points. A talent in the Bible was not a currency, but it was a weight. And therefore, its value would obviously depend on whether it was a copper coin, a silver coin, or a gold coin. So I like the Good News translation of this parable. Each of the servants was given a gold coin. What I get from this is that there was no greater or lesser value in any of those three servants. They were of equal value, and their value was of the highest rating. A gold coin, the highest weight. And each servant had the equal potential to make a difference. Jesus was obviously making a point, as he said, spoke that parable. Today, as we look at the mandate, how can we use our talents to glorify God and to bring others closer to him? I'm going to take a slightly different approach. And I'm not going to look at talents as something which we might have. The aptitudes, the skills, uh, the abilities that we have. But I want us to look at talents as the individual, the person, you and me. Jesus tells this parable of the gold coins in the wake of the Zacchaeus incident. If you read the passage before the one that we read this morning, there's this incident with Zacchaeus. Jesus is in Jericho, a, very, a town with a lot of religious people around. And of course, it was traditional to, to, to stay over. He was on his way to Jerusalem. 
And as he's going through this, he must have heard the murmurings. And there's Zacchaeus, a very short man, who's hiding up in a sycamore tree, a very leafy tree. Jesus stops beneath that tree, looks up at Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus was a tax collector and was regarded as an outcast in that area. No one wanted to have anything to do with him. Jesus looks up at the tree and he calls Zacchaeus down and says, Zacchaeus, I am coming to stay in your house today. Zacchaeus was overjoyed that Jesus should look at him, an outcast, and invite himself to his home. And Zacchaeus comes down and there's, this, there's probably a dinner and conversation. And something happens in that situation where Zacchaeus is transformed. Zacchaeus responds by saying, Lord, I will, if I've wronged anyone, I will pay them four times as much. And I'm prepared to sell half my belongings and give it to the poor. So Zacchaeus was a transformed person. Jesus was also aware that the crowd or the people were expecting the kingdom of God to come when he would shortly enter Jerusalem. So the parable of the gold coins is told in the context of the Zacchaeus incident and the people's expectation of the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul makes a beautiful statement in 2 Corinthians verse chapter 5. It goes like this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Peter also makes a statement with similar commendations in his letter of 1 Peter. He says to his church at that time, he says, but you are the chosen race. You are the king's priests. You are the holy nation. God's own people. Chosen to proclaim the wonderful acts of God. Who called you out of darkness into his own marvelous light. If we were to apply these verses to Zacchaeus and Paul. If, if, if we were to apply these verses to Zacchaeus. It's as if Paul is saying that in Christ, Zacchaeus is a new creation. The old is gone. Peter would somewhat say something like this, that Zacchaeus is part of the chosen community, a people called the divine purpose. That Zacchaeus is part of the royal priesthood. Zacchaeus is part of a holy nation, one who has been called out of darkness to proclaim the wonderful acts of God. In other words, to proclaim the kingdom of God in word and deed. So what is Zacchaeus' weight? One gold coin. Now I want us to move away from Zacchaeus. And let's talk about us today, you and me. And I repeat what I said earlier. I'm not looking at talent as something that we have. Abilities, aptitudes, skills and such like. But today we look at talent as the individual, the person. You and me. In Christ, each of us is a new creation. In Christ, each of us is a part of a community chosen with a divine purpose. In Christ, each of us is part of a royal priesthood, part of a holy nation, called out of darkness to proclaim the wonderful acts of God, the acts of love and joy and mercy and peace. In other words, to proclaim the kingdom of God. Each of us is that gold coin. A coin of great value in the kingdom of God, which value is not measured by the standards or ratings of this world. Let me repeat. Each of us is that gold coin. 
a coin of great value in the kingdom of God, but whose value is not measured by the standards or ratings of this world, but by who we are in Christ. Who we are in Christ. So coming back to the mandate now. How do we use our talents? Which you've established is us, starting with us. How do we use our talents to glorify God, our lives to glorify God, and to bring others into fellowship or relationship with the Father? I don't have a list of do's and don'ts, and so there's nothing to tick off today and say whether you make the mark. But I want to share some thoughts with you, three thoughts with you, that I hope and trust will help you, will help us along the journey of faith, especially in terms of the way we use our talents, the way we use our lives to glorify God and to bring others into the love and fellowship of the Father. The first one, stewardship of our talents begins with the person. That's you and me. We are the gold coins in the story. And who we are becoming in Christ. We don't evaluate ourselves by our abilities or the lack thereof. And if I know many people, and many of us choose the latter, I don't think that I have enough to make a difference. We tend to evaluate ourselves more in terms of our lack of our, ability, of our abilities. We don't evaluate ourselves by those standards. But we celebrate, and this is important, we celebrate who we are in Christ and who we are becoming in Christ. And that's irrespective of the warts and all that we have. That's irrespective of our stumblings and fallings. We do not look at that, but we celebrate who we are and who we are becoming in Christ. Moses probably resigned himself to the fact that he would remain a shepherd or a goathead all his life, managing Jethro's flocks and nothing more. The servant probably saw himself as worthless, incapable of achievement of any kind. Now, unless we are prepared to move away from such a mindset, we will remain but a single coin. Too often I get people in my congregation, in the, in the wider church, saying, what a wonderful thing, and they talk to him about you, and says, Reverend, we will come, but do not ask me to do this. Do not ask me. I get more do not asks than what can I. Unless we are prepared to move away from such a mindset, we will remain but a single coin. Many of us are familiar with Jesus saying that you are the salt and light of the earth. You are the salt of the earth and light of the world. Now both items in Palestine, both items were found in every home in Palestine. A salt in some closed container like it does in our homes bringing flavor to meals prepared in that household. And the light was a little common clay lamp, a little tiny common clay lamp with some oil in it, providing light to the room in which it, in which it was placed. Not very bright by any standard, something like a candle. But note something interesting. Jesus takes those two items, those two commonplace items, which people were associated with on a daily basis. He takes those two everyday commonplace items out of the context of the household, out of the confined context, and it brings it into the realm of a wider calling. And he says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Yet there still remain a sprinkle of salt, and there will still remain a little clay lamp. We will still remain who we are. Nothing extraordinary is going to happen to us, but like Zacchaeus, we become people or persons 
with a greater purpose. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10, Peter says to his church, to the early church, he says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received. And if I were to interpret gift today in the context of what we are saying, I would say, Peter is saying, each of you should use your lives that you have received in Christ to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Stewardship, stewardship of talents begins with us. The second thought I want to share with you today is that you are in partnership. You're not alone. You are partners. You're in partnership. You're in partnership with God through the Holy Spirit. Moses says, I am nobody. God says, I will be with you. It is God who takes us in his hands and blesses us. And through us, blesses the people around, just as he did with that small offering of five loaves and two fish. You know that story. Just think about that in John's Gospel, the recording according to John. A little boy comes through in a situation of need, not with extraordinary skills and abilities. There's the hungry people, there's thousands of hungry people. The disciples are doing the economics. They're calculating how much it's going to cost to feed all these people. Little boy hears of the plight. He comes forward with his tiny little picnic basket. All he does, all he did, was he partnered himself with Christ in simple faith by offering himself and his little picnic lunch. And the result, 5,000 plus people were blessed. In this partnership, we are invited, encouraged to begin the practice of seeing through the eyes of Christ. That little boy did it. To see the needs, the cries, the loneliness, the anger, the hatred, and there's so much of that around us. And sometimes when you look at all of that, we become despondent, we become apathetic and say, oh, there's nothing much I can do. Look at the way our world is going. I often find myself in that place. But when we begin to see through the eyes of Christ and we see the needs around, then we say, Lord, here I am. And you'll be surprised what God will bring forth from your little picnic basket of five tiny loaves and two fish. And then the third, the third thought, be prepared to be that blessing outside of your comfort zone. Be prepared to be that blessing outside of your comfort zone. Both Moses and the servant recognized the enormity of the task that lay ahead of them when they received their respective callings, and they would have rather preferred to stay in their comfort zones. When Jesus called the first disciples on the shores of Lake Galilee, his words to them, they had fished all night and caught nothing, and his words to them were, launch out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. Rowing around in the shallow where it is safe is not going to convert that one gold coin into ten or bring five or turn five tiny loaves and two fish into dinner for 5,000 plus people. We recognize or we have to recognize the borders of our comfort zones and we all have them. To recognize the borders of our comfort zones and to resolve to go beyond. That is what divine calling is all about. It might not be the liberation of a nation from bondage. You never know because we desperately need a Moses in this country. It might not be the liberation of a nation from bondage but it might just be your neighbor across the road.
It might be that hard to get on person. And we all have one of those. It might be the people we never gave due recognition to simply because they were different. We are called to go beyond the comfort zones of our bodies, to go beyond our, comfort, our comfortable time schedules. And we all have those. To go beyond our comfortable giving and give until it hurts. Stewardship of our talents begins with us. We are in partnership with God. And in this partnership, God calls us to go beyond the borders of our comfort zone. I want to come to a conclusion now. This is a topic with much room for exploration, as you might understand. But it is sufficient to say that today we hear the call to begin the journey, if you've not already done so. We hear the call to become a blessing in and through Christ. Remember, it is a lifetime calling. And need I say, it is a lifetime discovery of how much value and worth there is in that one gold coin. To take it and to put it away into a safe place will mean a lifetime of never discovering what God does through us. Even in the things that we might think are just small and ordinary and commonplace. So I close with these words from 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10 to 11. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. And that doesn't necessarily mean preaching. It means our conversation with others. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray together. God our Father, it can, can, can kind of be challenging, it can be frightening, it can also be affirming to know that we are those gold, coin, gold coins. You don't measure us by the silver or the copper or the bronze we are, or we think of ourselves. You come out straight and say each of you is a gold coin of highest worth in the kingdom of God, irrespective of what you might have felt or thought. And gracious God, as you bless those gold coins, oftentimes we become blessing in the lives of other people without us even knowing it. That little boy did not know it. He did not even calculate it. And so, Father God, by the power and presence of your Spirit, as we will shortly leave this place and make our journey, continue the journey of our faith. O God, draw forth from us. Firstly, set us free from our inhibitions and our boundaries and our I-cannot-do-it kind of thing. And draw forth from us, from each of us, the treasure of the kingdom, 
that lies within each of us. So that someone, many people, might be blessed in this world. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen.